0: Agenda A Voice in the Desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. All right, folks. So, today, (laughs) I can't even, I can't even. We are just, we're going to talk about some things today. And I've got some really good news to share with you. I've got some things to explain about what's happening with the Supreme Court, what's happening with the abortion-related cases that they have taken up and have not taken up. We'll look at those with uh, some information from uh, LifeSite News and Tony Perkins from the Family Research Council. Has some good info there. But before we get to that, uh, we we need to talk about UFOs. This is something I really never thought I would be saying on this program, or possibly ever. But the government uh, has a UFO report. A UFO report, an official UFO report from the Pentagon. And when you read this stuff, you think, oh, that's interesting, I wonder if that's why we made the Space Force. And a lot of people were, were, were mocking President Trump when he, you know, was encouraging our need for a Space Force to deal with different things but now now president obama has come forward (sighs) he was interviewed earlier this week and confirmed that footage and records of unidentified objects exist he said what is true and i'm actually being serious here is that there's footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. We can't explain how they moved or their trajectory. They did not have an easily explainable pattern, and so you know I think that people still take seriously trying to investigate and figure out what that is, but I have nothing to report to you today. Huh. I'm, I'm just waiting for all the people that were so concerned when the president, formerly... As in Trump. Didn't even go that far as to say, yeah, we've seen the UFOs, essentially. (laughs) Um, yeah. 60 Minutes has interviewed what I think you could call several credible witnesses. Including a former Navy pilot who said that he has seen unidentified aerial phenomena of a highly advanced nature every day every day for at least a couple of years you have Senator Marco Rubio who says that I want us to take it seriously and have a process to take it seriously regarding the UFOs he said maybe it has a very simple answer Maybe it doesn't. Anything that enters an airspace that's not supposed to be there is a threat. There's a stigma on Capitol Hill. I mean, some of my colleagues are very interested in this topic, and some kind of, you know, giggle when you bring it up, but I don't think we can allow the stigma to keep us from having an answer to a very fundamental question. Mm Mm-hmm. Luis Elizondo was part of the Pentagon's Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. He told 60 Minutes in their interview that there were simple explanations for some of the mysterious sightings, but not all. He said, we're not just simply jumping to a conclusion that's saying, oh, that's a UAP out there, another term for UFO, We're going through our due diligence. Is it some sort of new type of cruise missile technology that China has developed? Is it some sort of high-altitude balloon that's conducting reconnaissance? Ultimately, when you have exhausted all those what-ifs and you're still left with the fact that this is in our airspace and it's real, that's when it becomes compelling, and that's when it becomes problematic. And I just get the impression that if the Pentagon had released this report when Donald Trump was the president... That we would be talking about this a lot more, a lot, lot, lot more. Um, The navy pilot that I mentioned earlier, he also said that it's difficult to explain. They have rotation. They have high altitudes. um, uh, They're they're very powerful. And, you know, I, I, I personally am not one that wants to be viewed as a crazy person. But I just find it kind of interesting that we're not talking about this. I mean, 60 Minutes is talking about it, but seriously, have you ever been heard about this yet? The former... Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence literally said that the crafts we're seeing are far beyond anything that we are capable of. There's nothing we could build that would be strong enough to endure that amount of force and acceleration. We have had so many sightings that the United States Pentagon created a top-secret program to investigate UFOs. I mean, this sounds like something that everybody that was storming Area 51, was it last year, two years ago now? Time runs together with COVID. It sounds like something that, that, you know, people that everybody was kind of like, okay, guys, calm down, would have made up. But no, this is, this is our Pentagon. In fact, two of our uh, naval vessels, the USS Princeton and the USS Nimitz, both, tracked an aircraft that traveled 60 miles in 3 to 4 seconds after being confronted by an F-18 fighter squadron in the Pacific. The director of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program said, Imagine a technology that can do 700 G-forces, fly 13,000 miles per hour, evade radar, and has no obvious signs of propulsion, and yet still can defy the effects of Earth's gravity. That's precisely what we're seeing. And not only did our Pentagon create a program to investigate this, but because there has been so many sightings of these things, the Senate Intelligence Committee is holding a public hearing next month because this is now viewed as a national security threat. I mean, what? This is... This is I was about to say, this is unreal. Nothing can do this. Nothing can be this fast. Nothing can... But you know, people... Hundred what, Less than 150 years ago The thought of just flying was impossible Nobody can do that, that can't happen Remember when computers took up a whole room? Me neither, it was before my time But things that 150 years ago People said, that'll never happen that, That's impossible things that 100 years ago people said that that's impossible things that 50 years ago even 20 years ago people said ah that won't that's impossible i look at this stuff 700 g forces flying 13,000 miles an hour with no obvious signs of propulsion but can still defy gravity i look at that and i say ah, yeah, no but all the technology all the technology we have today at one point wasn't yeah no moment for someone. And so we, we have a couple different possibilities. <laughs> Again, I can't even believe I can't even believe we're talking about this. So there there seems to be three general schools of thought. If you listen to these interviews that CNN did and if you look at the different things being reported by officials and by the Pentagon, we could either have the United States um, that we are, testing some advanced technology, but I I tend to think that might not be it, since this is becoming a thing here, and since Rubio is saying, hey, we need to find out what this is, I tend to lean more the side of if it was us, we would be hush-hushing it more so instead of creating a special special task force to investigate and then tracking these things with our Navy uh, ships and so on and so forth. and also if it was us why so i mean why would we why would we release footage of these things if it was us wouldn't we want other militaries and other governments not to know what we're doing or what we are capable of like i just don't i'm not buying into that one i don't think now granted we waste money like nobody's business but i just i don't think that our military would have spent hundreds of millions of dollars investigating itself. I just don't. Then there's the theory of it being some other military. China, Russia. I just don't think, personally, and I could be wrong here, but while China is is booming economically and has been becoming a a greater player on the world stage i just don't think that we're to a point where someone could achieve this i could be wrong but the first uh, confirmed sightings of these things go back to 2014 which is significantly prior to china having its its boom technologically wise economically wise and for them to have kept this thing a secret and still have been able to fund it and everything that whole time, I just don't see it. And if you look at what China has produced as far as military power and weaponry in the past, and even currently, their technology, military-wise, is so far behind ours that there's just no evidence in anything else that they have that they could be capable of something like this doesn't mean that it's impossible, I just I'm not buying into that either then there's the then there's this one that this is an otherworldly craft that is the (laughs) I'm sorry, I just I can't um and 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 that begs the question of, if otherworldly, what kind of otherworldly? And most people aren't asking that aspect of the question. Most people are simply assuming, well, if otherworldly, then it's aliens, then it's Thanos, that sort of thing. <laughs> and then, and then I've seen people saying, well, if they've been here for twenty years, why haven't they done anything to us yet? And if, if they're if they're so far advanced than us technology-wise, why why, why are we even seeing them when they just, you know, blast through our sky, like Thanos, and they're here? Maybe. Or maybe there's another option altogether. Maybe... It's just... It's so... I... I can't even... I don't even want to be on record as saying these things, because it just is so bizarre. Right? But what if, I, what if it's, you know, some sort of? What if what if instead of using the term otherworldly, we used, say, maybe heavenly, or angelic? And then people are like, I don't know, because it's a spacecraft. Is it? We don't. We we literally don't know. So those are the three main theories that I've seen getting pushed around. I have a I have an alternate theory, but before I get to that, I I know that I I joke about this, but if but we've reached a point where our naval commander, David Fravor, said I don't know who's building it, who's got the technology, who's got the brains, but there's something out there that was better than our airplanes, and as an American, this is something that should concern you because. Uh, whether or not you are supportive of America being a world superpower, America is the superpower of the world, particularly when it comes uh, to military might and expertise. And the United States, being the military power in the world, has largely kept, maintained, or supported peace throughout the world since its inception. And we could argue that if you want, but... For the sake of conversation, we're going to say that that's accurate. And if our military and intelligence community is to the point where they're saying, hey, this is a big enough deal that we need to look at this, then maybe it's time that we start taking things... At least... I, I don't even know. We just... we need to, I agree with Marco Rubio. We need to look at this. Maybe it's explainable, maybe it's not, but... It seems that we've reached a point where we need to look at this, if only for our uh, intelligence, military wise. Now, the other option, which I think is plausible. Last week on this podcast, we talked about the fact that suddenly we no longer need masks. And factually, data-wise, for all the science lovers out there in the world, it's simply false to say that something suddenly changed. That all of a sudden now, if you're vaccinated, you don't need a mask, whereas two weeks ago, you you did need to wear a mask. Nothing changed. Literally nothing changed in the science. Okay? And I'm using air quotes around the word science. Nothing changed. And I think one could make the argument that maybe the Biden administration went ahead and was just like, one day we're all wearing masks and Biden's sitting in a room full of vaccinated people and everybody's wearing masks while also being six-foot distances even though they've all been vaccinated, which, you know, the vaccines. All right, I can't go there. Don't have time today. And then, so one day that's, you know, he's wearing a mask outside, fully vaccinated, fully social distanced, still wearing a mask. And the next day, you don't need a mask anymore. I think the argument could be made that the removal of masks could be said to be a distraction from other major issues. We have a major crisis at our border. We have a major problem with inflation right now. We have a major problem when our pipelines can be attacked, uh, can suffer cyber attacks, which leave us with hundreds of gas stations out of fuel and fuel prices skyrocketing. We have a major problem uh, uh. Goodness, I can't think of it There was another one I don't remember You can go listen to last week's podcast But we went through a number of Grave uh, Issues that our nation is facing And You know that, that, that How that the removal of masks Could be kind of like a, a dangling Of a shiny object in front of you So that you don't look at these other things that are going on That are not good in our country. And there's part of me that has to wonder if the whole UFO thing maybe isn't similar to the mask removal in that it just seems kinda convenient in the timing and perhaps maybe the government might mislead us in order to justify, you know, possibly increased spending maybe expansion of the Space Force, and or it's definitely a distraction (laughs) from other things that are happening because who wouldn't rather talk about UFOs than talk about the border crisis? Because the border crisis is real and tangible and requires a solution, whereas UFOs, we can just speculate and theorize and giggle and, you know, it's no big deal. And again, these are all my theories. It's my podcast, so I can talk about my theories. This is, this is how my brain sometimes happens to work, or, or maybe not work, depending on how you look at it. But I think we need to talk about this. The fact that we're going to have a hearing, the fact that the Pentagon is saying, hey, this is a problem, we have a problem here, I just think it's something we should be aware of, as a, as a nation and as concerned citizens, that our military... Our intelligence community is saying, "Hey, there's something out there we don't know what it is and it's better and stronger and bigger and faster than us," so, you know, we're kind of concerned about that. That's worth being concerned about because it could be another nation's technology. It could be. Could be a smokescreen, could be a distraction. Could be that the government <gasps> gasp, shocking maybe misleads and misdirects. Maybe it's something extra-worldly, or heavenly, even, if you will. I don't know. I, I have a tendency to think one of these options is more plausible than another. But I present all the options to you so that you now can go and do research. You can watch the full 60 Minutes video. is on YouTube. You don't have to have a paid subscription to anything. Uh... You can watch, uh, just type in, Navy pilots describe encounters with UFOs, and you'll see, you'll find it there on YouTube. And by the way, the Pentagon, this part's interesting. The Pentagon said they released the videos because they, quote, didn't reveal any sensitive information or capabilities, unquote. So if these crazy videos they re- released are the ones that didn't reveal any sensitive information, you've got to wonder, okay, well, are there what, what's on the ones that do have sensitive information and capabilities? Thank okay. you. OK, so let's not talk about UFOs anymore. If we could. <clears throat> let's talk about Texas. God bless Texas, where Governor Abbott has signed a law allowing anyone to sue abortionists for killing babies with heartbeats. Texas has signed into law. The Banning of Abortion of Babies with Detectable Heartbeats. Well, it's an attempt, I guess you should say. It's House Bill 1515. It's titled the Texas Heartbeat Act, and it requires abortionists to screen for a preborn baby's heartbeat, and it prohibits abortion if a heartbeat can be hurt, which normally is as early as six weeks, with exceptions only for medical emergencies. According to Calvin Freeberger over at LifeSite, Uh, The state would not be prosecuting violators of the new law, which actually forbids any enforcement action by this state, a political subdivision, a district or county attorney, or an executive or administrative officer or employee of the state. Instead, it exclusively empowers private citizens to bring civil suits against the abortionists, punishable by a minimum of $10,000 in statutory relief per abortion, plus whatever additional injunctive relief is deemed sufficient to prevent the defendant from violating this chapter or engaging in acts that aid or abet violations of this chapter. It's a very unique law, and it's a very clever law, according to South Texas College of Law Houston professor Josh Blackman. Pl- he said Planned Parenthood can't go to court and sue Attorney General Ken Paxton like they would usually do because he has no role in enforcing the statute. They basically have to wait and s- or sit and wait to be sued. Noticeably, private citizens do not need to have any connection to anyone involved in a specific abortion. So every citizen is now a private attorney general, according to Blackmun. You can have random people who are against abortion start suing tomorrow. Wow. Whether this new strategy will prevail remains to be seen, but such experimentation with legal strategies has been provoked by national judicial precedent that forbids states from directly banning abortion. Full bans take effect well before the Supreme Court's fetal viability threshold, and so are consistently enjoined by lawsuits from the abortion industry. Interesting. Now, there are two other things you need to know about uh, the abortion issue and the Supreme Court right now. First... The bad news, if you are a lover of life, uh, the bad news is that Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh joined the liberals on the court in dismissing cases about Title X abortion funding. So we, we don't know what the decision was, but we know that these two justices either did not vote or they sided with the leftists on the court against a rule put in place by former President Trump which stopped federal family funding Uh, 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 federal family planning funding from going to abortion providers. So the U.S. Supreme Court dismissed three cases that all related to former President Trump's rule uh, regarding Title X funding. In 2019, you might remember, Trump put in the Protect Life rule. That rule required... Quote, clear financial and physical separation between Title X funded projects and programs or facilities where abortion is a method of fl- family planning, and it also banned referral for abortion as a method of family planning. It, it In its effect, it was projected to cut about $60 million from the $616 million that Planned Parenthood received during its most uh, recent fiscal year. In, uh, in June of, I think, 2019, uh, the Ninth Circuit lifted a temporary injunction against enforcing the rule. The full court uh, uh, affirmed that decision in February. The originally, it was done by a three-judge panel. And then uh, in May of last year, the Ninth Circuit denied the abortion lobby's request to have its February judgment reconsidered. And then uh, the Biden administration asked the Supreme Court to dismiss the cases as moot uh, and claims that it will continue to enforce enforce the rule until it is superseded by President Joe Biden's own proposed rule uh, to restore the Title X money. So on May 17th, the Supreme Court uh, issued some orders and it announced in that order list cases uh, dismissal notes show that only Justice Clarence Thomas, Justice Samuel Alito, and Justice Neil Gorsuch Gorsuch would have denied the dismissal of the cases. Uh, so what you were wanting was a denial of the dismissal. <laughs> I know it sounds confusing, but that was the one thing that you, you wanted if you're pro-life. That means because the notes show that only those three justices didn't, would have denied the dismissal, that means that Barrett and Kavanaugh either didn't vote or they joined with the court's uh, liberals. And you only need four justices uh, to to, din- to if four of them would have said we would deny this dismissal, then the Supreme Court would have taken up the case. So if only one of them would have joined with Thomas, Alito, and Gorsuch, you would have seen this case regarding the Title X funding uh, go to the Supreme Court. Uh, the, uh, there, uh, a coalition of pro-abortion groups and uh, Wow. I have lost the ability to speak, but Planned Parenthood, the ACLU, the American Medical Association released a joint statement celebrating this decision as a victory. They said, today's dismissal of the Supreme Court Title X cases marks another important step forward for patients across the country who have been denied access to essential care during a pandemic. We are pleased that all parties, including the federal government, agreed that the litigation over the Trump administration's gag rule is no longer necessary. As the comment period on its proposed regulations comes to a close today, we look forward to the Biden administration's continued prompt action to undo this dangerous and discriminatory rule. Now, remember, this dismissal does not, in and of itself, establish a new pro-abortion precedent or invalidate previous pro-life decisions. It simply rejects uh, what the court could have had as a, as a opportunity to settle this once and for all, and instead they're basically deferring to whatever the Biden administration uh, would like to do. It's also a little bit alarming uh, when to, to see this happen with Barrett and Kavanaugh knowing what's coming up with uh, an upcoming case that the court did accept, which essentially presents an opportunity to review Roe versus Wade. And for this one, I'm just going to read to you Tony Perkins. Uh, He's the host of Washington Watch Live, which airs every uh, Monday through Friday on our station, KVXL, here in Vegas at 9 p.m. You can also get it on their website, Washington Watch Live. Uh, But he is the president of the Family Research Council, and he wrote an article that is uh, over on LifeSite, which is a supreme chance at an abortion fix. And so I'm just going to read to you what he said, and then we will wrap it up for today. Uh, But uh, Mr. Perkins said Americans could use some good news right about now, and yesterday morning the Supreme Court gave it to them. After 29 long years, the justices just took a case that every pro-lifer has been waiting for, a direct challenge to Roe v. Wade. For the first time since 1992, the highest court in the land has a chance to deal a death blow to the precedent that's tied this country in judicial knots and robbed us of 62 million unique, irreplaceable lives. That could all change by this time next year when the Supreme Court has what some legal scholars are calling the best opportunity they'll ever have to overturn Roe. For years, cases have been bubbling to the surface from the states, all of them designed to do what Mississippi's law just did, force the Supreme Court to reconsider the country's abortion standards. A lot of people, FRC experts included, that would be Family Research Council, think the mere fact that the justices took the case is a victory. It means, most likely, that the court's newest members are ready to take a major change, are ready to make a major change in the law. This is groundbreaking, FRC's Katherine Beck Johnson agreed. The fact that the Supreme Court has agreed to hear the first gestational limit on abortion since Roe is a significant shift. With Justice Amy Coney Barrett now on the court, we look forward to the unborn being protected, she said. And that's exactly what groups like Planned Parenthood are afraid of. The organization's action arm, led by Alexis McGill, was disgusted by the announcement, warning that almost 50 years of radical precedent is on the line. Pro-lifers, she said sullenly, have obviously been waiting for this day since it's the opportunity for the newly compromised Supreme Court to take away our right to abortion. Mississippi's law, which went through the ringer on appeal, would limit abortion to the first 15 weeks of pregnancy unless there's a serious abnormality with the baby. That's two months earlier than the current 24-week limit set by Planned Parenthood v. Casey in the early 90s. But times and technology, Mississippi argues, have changed. In her brief to the high court, State Attorney General Lynn Fitch calls it an inflexible viability standard that eviscerates the state's ability to account for advances in medical and scientific technology that have greatly expanded our knowledge of prenatal life. She pointed to the new science of fetal pain and stimuli, explaining that babies can now feel pain much earlier than researchers thought. Mississippi attempted to introduce these advances below, but the district court disregarded them, she argued. In fact, Judge Carlton Reeves didn't just disregard them, he chastised Mississippi for trying to bait the new justices into taking their case. The state chose to pass a law it knew was unconstitutional to endorse a decades-long campaign fueled by national interest groups to ask the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v.ersus Ray- Wade, uh, he wrote over at the New York Times. This court follows the commands of the Supreme Court and the dictates of the United States Constitution rather than the disingenuous calculations of the Mississippi legislature, who, by the way, would be the most accurate representation of the people of the state of Mississippi, but I digress. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals Judge James Ho was much more sympathetic, but agreed that he was bound by what the Supreme Court had decided all of those years ago. Still, he didn't mind reminding the justices in his reluctant but septic separate concurrence, that nothing in the text or original understanding of the Constitution establishes a right to an abortion. Rather, what distinguishes abortion from other matters of health care policy in America and uniquely removes abortion policy from the democratic process established by our founders is Supreme Court precedent. Mm Mm-hmm. Very good point. Now is the time to change that, NRO's Ed Whelan says. Like laws, laws like Mississippi's have broad public support. According to an NPR-PBS NewsHour Marist poll from last year, only 29% of Americans think that abortion should generally be allowed after the first three months of pregnancy, but roughly 13 weeks. That broad public support is likely to grow when Americans learn that according to this Center for Reproductive Rights database, which... uh, Uh, it's at uh, reproductiverights.org forward slash world abortion laws France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Norway, Switzerland and lots of other European countries have a gestational limit of 14 weeks or earlier this case he points out will finally give President Trump's three justices a chance to send the issue back where it belongs to state legislatures indeed he wrote in November it is unlikely that there will ever be a more opportune moment For some justices, like Thomas and Samuel Alito, this day has been a long time coming. Our abortion precedents are grievously wrong and should be overruled, Thomas insisted as recently as last year. You can find that story in uh, the LA Times. FRC's Mary Shaw's agrees. Roe and Casey were obviously wrongly and arbitrarily decided. Now, with this direct challenge to Roe and Casey, the court has a chance to correct their errors and send the right to abortion back to the states we must pray ardently that the justices have the courage to stand against the pressure from the left and uphold the Constitution. Ultimately, we must pray that hearts and minds everywhere change and that the review of Mississippi's abortion ban is the beginning of total protection of the unborn child in the womb. So you say you care about pro-life issues. You say you care about life in the womb. You say you pray for our country. Do you really because if you do, now is the time to pray. Now is the time to pray for our Supreme Court, to pray for our justices, to pray especially, I would argue, for justices Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, and Barrett. They, they will be eviscerated. And yes, Thomas and Alito, but they're more used to it, I think. But if they change the abortion law, that could mean... the saving of millions of babies' lives each year if the right goes back to the states to determine uh, what they will allow or not allow when it comes to abortions and and limits on uh, gestation time periods and so on. If you care about the life issue, if you truly care about unborn children, if you say you pray for our country, then this is the time for you to do that. And if you say, you know what? I really don't. I really haven't. I'm not good at that. I'm not faithful at that. That's okay too. Because guess what? Now is the time. And I and I love this reminder that you know, we can, we can talk about there being UFOs and not knowing what they are. We can talk about whether or not an election was hacked and whether or not, uh, you know, if, if somebody is sitting in the White House and, oh, wring our hands and, oh, it's so terrible and, oh, it's the end of the world. We can, we can go that route. Or we can see something like this and say, you know what? It, God is still in control and God is still at work in this country. Which is still the greatest, most free country in the entire world, and that it is our responsibility as Christians to educate ourselves and to pray, pray, pray. Because if you didn't know about this happening at the Supreme Court, then how would you pray about it? You wouldn't because you didn't know. So you have to know and then you have to pray. And I challenge you, Christian, to pray for your country. Yes, pray for the president, pray for our elected officials. Pray for our culture. Pray for our court. Pray for our justices. Pray that this case, which the Supreme Court has taken up, and I and I started with the other, uh, the dismissal of Trump's Title X funding uh, cases, because I wanted you to see, because oftentimes you'll hear one side or the other, you don't see both. And personally, I think it was a strategic move. This is just my personal opinion. I think it was a strategic move on the parts of Barrett and Kavanaugh. My guess is that they abstained from, from that case in order to take and focus on this one. So it's a, politics is weird, and I know it's not the way we would like it to be, but it's oftentimes a game of give and take. So in my opinion, I'm guessing that Barrett and Kavanaugh said, you know what, we're going to give them this one, but we're going to take this one. And this case is the one that will have a much greater effect on our abortion industry, if you will, in the United States. And so I challenge you, Christian, to pray for your country, to pray for your court, to pray for our Supreme Court justices. Pray that God will work in this situation. Because, look, if this gets done, (laughs) if this gets done, and I, I... In my opinion, I sit here and I say, let Biden do what he will with the economy. My taxes will be higher. I will pay more for gasoline. Inflation is going to go up. My groceries are going to cost more. But if babies' lives are saved, if we have children that have the opportunity to hear about Jesus and to spend eternity with him, who can live their lives and make an impact in this world while they're here, Th- that's a win that's a huge win and, and to me I don't, I don't care about the other stuff I mean I care about it but I would much rather fight this fight than fight the fly- fight over inflation and gas prices because this fight is an eternal one this fight is about the souls of precious children And this fight is fought on your knees. Because quite frankly, you're not going to influence... You personally are not going to influence what the Supreme Court decides. But the King's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and you, Christian, know the King. Go to Him today. Pray. Pray, pray. Add it to your prayer list. Add it to your prayer time. Pray for our Supreme Court justices. Pray that this case... God uses to change the way our country not only views abortion but allows abortion and, and eventually I, I hope that we'll see even more than this happen but this is a great, great starting point for those of us who are uh, concerned with and cared, caring about the pro-life movement so now you know you know about the UFOs You know about what's happening with the Supreme Court, and you know how to pray. So I think that's where we'll leave it for today. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. For those of you listening to the podcast that's airing over the weekend, hope you have a wonderful weekend. Hope you'll join us for church on Sunday here at Liberty. Our address is 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. You can find out all about us by visiting our website at experienceliberty.com. Be sure to check out the rest of the podcast if you haven't already. You can go back. You can listen to old ones. I'm on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio. I think some other stuff. I don't even know, honestly, all the things. They just kind of populate themselves. (laughs) So go find those. Like, subscribe, share. Do all the things. And we will see you next time here on The Frittle Show.